afternoon with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway with podcast number 52. And I bring in Josh Vernier, Kansas City, 610 Sports Radio, a Michigan native out of Lapeer, EMU, and a WTKA alum. Josh, thanks for coming on. What's going on? Uh, Not too much, man. Uh, Nice to be with you. Thank you very much for asking me on. Yeah, well, you have very good timing. You know, you're working there in Kansas City, and you were there for the Royals to when they went what back-to-back World Series appearances, winning it in 2015. Uh, what was that like for you? Well, shoot, man, I, I got to Kansas City in 2012, and you know the Royals were a laughing stock for the previous 20 seasons. So to watch that team come together and ultimately climb to the top of the baseball mountain in 2015 it was amazing watching a fan base it was a lot like 06 in detroit where people that had been turned off by the previous decade of futility were brought back to the ballpark and heard the stories from the generations before them about how great of a baseball city this used to be right many tigers fans heard that throughout 06 and Royals fans were reliving the good old days of the 70s and 80s throughout those runs in 2014 and 15. It's just, it's such a great and beautiful sport, especially when you can tie into history. So watching a new generation kind of learn all of that, uh, that's really the memory I, I, I take from those runs. Yeah, well, you probably remember or people calling in talking about uh, those Willie Wilson and George Bratt and Brett Saberhagen and Dan Quisenberry. I remember all those guys. Yeah, and, and you know, so many of the younger Royals fans around 2014, they were tired of going to a Royals game, and you know, we're here. We go again. We're celebrating 1985 in 2010, and we're trotting out. Frank White and Brett Saberhagen and they wave and you know just the same way Tigers fans for a long time were you know you never get tired of uh, Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker but eventually we want some new names to celebrate and uh, fortunately guys like Lorenzo Cain and Eric Hosmer were able to do just that. Yeah, and it was pretty sweet how they go and not it wasn't sweet at the time I'm sure in fourteen when you you lose in seven that's a real crusher but then that peaks up the excitement really brings it along, but then come back and winning it in 2015, probably nothing like those two years there. No. And the way that 14 ended with the tying run on third base, it was such a magical ride. It just didn't seem like it was actually over when Pablo Sandoval caught that, that pop up in fall territory and to come back in 15. I mean, uh, being on the radio, you're you're waving the pom-poms and you're having a good time, but in the back of your mind, you realize just how difficult it is to win pennants in consecutive years. Uh, that team was just on a mission, and they were also ahead of the curve somewhat as far as finding the market inefficiency where, um, you know, let's start building this pitching staff from the back end uh, because in Kansas City, uh, they can't afford to go out and sign the big-name starting pitchers, but they can bring in a bunch of relievers and hope a, hope a few of them have good years, and that's exactly what happened both in 14 and 15. Yeah, it was a great bullpen. There's no doubt about that. I always wondered if Ned Yost, if they won in spite of him, you know, the analytics 
when you'd hear people talk about what you should do and how you should manage. And Ned Yost would be out there in the first inning against the Tigers, like laying down a bond. I'm like, that's not what the analytics guys say, but he would do it anyways. Yeah, they've actually made big moves on that front with Mike Matheny now as the manager. But look, uh, what I'll always give Ned Yost credit for was his, and at times I didn't necessarily believe it, but it was an unyielding support of these young hitters in their lineup, whether it was Lorenzo Cain, who was often hurt, Mike Moustakis, who hit 211 during the regular season in 2014 and then took off in the playoffs. Uh, he did a good job of maintaining a cohesive clubhouse, a clubhouse that always believed uh, that they had what it took to, to win in October. Uh, so he kept the positivity going, uh, but come October – the bullpen and the young stars, that that's what led him to the title, of course. Yeah, and it seems like Mike Matheny pretty good, like had success right away with, with St. Louis. He's a Michigan man, so, yep. uh, you know, that is a manager. Pretty good guy. What about Whit Merrifield? He kills the Tigers, man. That guy and, and Brady Singer, you got him up. I'm interested in him because he was taken in the same draft that Casey Mize went number one overall. I wanted to see Mize up sooner than later. They're – Slow playing him. Who knows if they're even going to get him up? And everybody expects him, you know, after the service time uh, delay here comes through. But you guys went with Singer and got him up and got him up going. And he's even he's younger. He's uh, I'm I'm sorry. He's older. He's older than Casey Mize. So kind of a surprise there, following his uh, development. Yeah, and and I had a chance to talk with Brady Singer earlier in the week, and I was very interested to see his reaction when he was asked about uh, the 2017 college season. Uh, Many people were predicting that he would go number one overall to Detroit. Um, The the line of questioning then moved on to a, a possible matchup with Casey Mize down the line, another former SEC pitcher. Um, and I haven't seen the very stoic Brady Singer bristle at a line of questioning like that since uh, uh, since, since the team drafted him in 2018. He's, he's a pretty polished young man, not only on the field, but also in front of the cameras and microphones. So uh, like a lot of professional athletes, especially one like Singer, who was the college baseball player of the year going into that draft, uh, he takes little mental notes, and uh, you know we, we'll see what he has for the Detroit Tigers as the years go on. But it feels like he's going to try and give them a little something extra for allowing him to drop to 18th in that year's draft. Um, yeah, he, he's one of four college pitchers that they selected in the first round of that 2018 draft. Uh, two of them uh, will make starts in the first two weeks of the regular season, Brady Singer and Chris Bubich. I wouldn't be surprised to see all four in the big leagues at some point this year. And and, and that's really something that uh, they're celebrating in Kansas City, is that the organization isn't doing what's in the best interest of the 2023 team and, and manipulating service time. Uh, they're doing what's in the best interest of the 2020 team and trying to put the best field, uh, best best club on the field that they possibly can. Well, I like guys when they bristle. That's something that I like, get in there and ask them a question and have them uh, yeah. bristle. Josh Fern, you're with us here on the podcast, taping this on a Thursday during the Tigers game with Singer 
actually on the mound. This will be out for the subscribers on Thursday night, Friday. I lay it out there on social, so they'll be uh, interested in hearing about Singer. If I gave you the Tigers and Royals over the next five years or the White Sox for the team that would finish as with the most wins or the highest in the Central, who would you take? I'll go with Chicago just because their young talent is already in the big leagues. So much of Detroit, and you guys, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but so much of Detroit and Kansas City's future is tied to the uh, pitching position. And we all know how, how fickle the elbow can be. Um, you know, you have five quality prospects in the rotation in AA or AAA. You're hoping that two of them work out in the rotation. You're hoping that two of them work out in the bullpen. You understand that all five likely won't pan out in the big leagues. Um, and, and Chicago, I, I, I think they'll be more apt to spend money. I, I know they'll be more apt to spend money than Kansas City. I don't know about uh, the Illiches. Um but I know Chicago just, just market size and the deals that they've already made with some of these kids before they even played a, a game in the big leagues uh, seems as if they'd be more – and how they acted this offseason, uh, the kind of signings that they made. So it seems as if they're a little bit more eager uh, to throw money around than, than both Detroit and Kansas City. Yeah, I think you're right about that. We'll find out about Chris Illich. We don't know. We know if his dad was still alive, he would be throwing yeah. money right now, and Casey Mize would be up, and the team would look completely different. But I think he looked around the rest of the Central and saw the payroll of the Royals and the Indians and was like, what the hell? I'm spending like the Yankees and the Dodgers, and and uh, look at the Royals and, and look at the Indians, and I think that's what he did. So I'm with you. I just think the White Sox are probably uh, at least two years, probably three years ahead of both of these teams. I wanted to uh, take you to you – know, you mentioned the SEC and Singer. I, when you're in Kansas City, that so that – Missouri, is it SEC country? Does it feel like SEC country there? Uh, n- no, it, it still feels like Big 8, to be quite honest. I, the Big 12 now. Um you know, Kansas basketball is the dominant collegiate program in the area. Uh, there's talent. There's there's high school football talent in Missouri, um, especially on the St. Louis side. But, you know, uh, once, once Gary Pinkle left Mizzou, uh, the program has faced uh, more questions uh, than, than really anyone else in the SEC. So, no, I, I would say it's still Big 8 country. Uh, knowing that the Big 12 basketball tournament's in downtown Kansas City and the rivalry between Kansas and Missouri, that's just always hanging over every conversation, um, so much so that the two sides have agreed to start playing each other once again, both in football and basketball. Well, that is good news. Now, if I look at the Tigers here, a, a former Tigers draft pick, and one of the new members of the ownership group there, uh, Patrick Mahomes. We know he's a big baseball guy. His dad would played pro baseball, but guy's not even 25 years old yet, and he signs that big contract, and he, he's taking that money and, and taking a piece of the Royals. Uh, surprising? I mean, how's that received? That just, uh, is that fun, or is that serious? What is that? Uh, look, Mahomes right now is in a rarefied air with the Kansas City fan base that, I, mean, I would guess LeBron was in early in Cleveland, that, that Michael was in early in Chicago, where you could just do no wrong. You are 
if someone brings up the idea of building Patrick Mahomes a statue right now in Kansas City, it would get uh, you know a hundred thousand votes in the first thirty minutes. Uh, man, I, I don't know about you, Dennis, but man, I, I'm just so surprised at how polished so many of these kids are right out of the gate when they join, whether it's a professional football team or, or, or baseball team, uh, they're just so well equipped for the media coverage, for the scrutiny. And this is with all, you know, social media nowadays and everyone trying to record you. Uh, Mahomes, uh, in my mind, is cut from that LeBron cloth where uh, you're not going to see him slip up very often. And then on the field or on the court, the guy's undeniable in his talent. Yeah, I haven't seen many guys like him. Not just great, but he's a game changer and really a, one of these guys that transcends sports. Uh, it's 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 something you know. You listen to that, and you say, "Well, that's just a prisoner of the moment." But this guy was—he's on the field last year, rolling out, throwing against the green, which everybody says, "No, oh, don't do that." But he's right. no looking, and uh, guys are emulating him. This is even before he won the Super Bowl. And then in the playoffs this year, that was. That was really, like from afar, I mean, that was one of the most amazing runs ever. And he's just, uh, it doesn't matter. Kind of hole you put him in, the kind of, the way he just puts the ball on the receiver. And they, you combine him in there with Andy Reid, it's special. I wanted to ask you, going back, you know, when you you guys had Alex Smith, you had won a playoff game, and then you're in the playoffs, and you're you're in the draft, and you're heading in there, and you're thinking, man, the Chiefs are probably going defense here. That's what they need to Take the take it to the next level here, and they come up and they not that he was a totally unknown, but kind of an unknown in Mahomes. How was that received by all those fans that want a statue of him right now? Back then, back then, well, you had a you had a certain faction that wanted Deshaun Watson uh, with that pick, uh, but but no one was angry with it because if you got the sign off from Andy Reid. Uh, that that carried a lot of weight because when Andy Reid came to Kansas City, remember that that was on the heels of you know, Romeo Crennel going two for fourteen, the the tragedy in the parking lot with uh, Jovan Belcher murdering uh, the, the mother of his child and then taking his own life. You had helicopters flying over Arrowhead. You had fans dressing in black. It was it was a bad time in Kansas City. Reid comes in, they bring in Alex Smith. And they started winning divisions, uh, in a, you know, or at least making it to the playoffs, uh, and going toe to toe with with Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. So uh, the equity that Andy Reid built up quickly uh, allowed, and, and, and furthermore, the Chiefs hadn't drafted a quarterback in the first round since 1983 in Todd Blackledge. So that was something that the fans were just excited to have a quarterback drafted in the first round that they can celebrate. Um, because, you know, they hadn't been to a Super Bowl since Len Dawson. And, look, it, it was always tough for me to hear, right, growing up in Detroit. Uh, you know, we, we had plenty of first-round draft pick quarterbacks that just didn't pan out. The first time they do it in 30 years, it turns out to be a transcendent athlete in Patrick Mahomes. But they at least appreciate him more than my previous stop in Milwaukee when you go from Brett Favre uh, to Aaron Rodgers. So as long as, look, as long as Andy Reid signed off on it, the fans were all in. And then you started to see some highlights of no-look passes in training camp. And you heard uh, Alex Smith talking them up. The, 
the GM of the Chiefs was saying that even in his rookie season, Patrick Mahomes was the most talented quarterback he had ever watched in his life. Uh, so there, the hype train started early, and, and shockingly, the kids lived up to every bit of it. Yeah, what's crazy is I remember when Andy Reid was done there with the Eagles in what 2012, the Lions had an opening and there was some talk like, what about Andy Reid? And the Lions fans were like, we don't want Andy Reid. You know? <laughs> they didn't want Andy Reid, you know? They didn't yeah, want him. Yeah. So that, that was a mistake. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's in the long line of mistakes that that organization has made. Yeah, I heard Reed talking about picking Mahomes. I forgot exactly who he credited. It wasn't Dorsey. I think it was the assistant GM there. That Brett, was yeah, Brett Veach, who's now the GM. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was crediting Veach and how he was banging the table for him, and he was going to watch those uh, tech practices, and he would watch the games and get there a couple hours beforehand, and he, he was sold about how he dealt with the offensive linemen and everything else, and they were so nervous. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, when you Man, when you what, make it. What was Chicago doing? I mean, how – when you have Andy Reid head over heels with a kid, uh, Deshaun Watson with what he did the year before against Alabama, it's uh, what was Ryan Pace? What, what were the Chicago Bears thinking? Well, they were listening to all those scouts. Like, I remember talking about it. In the offseason there, and you'd bring up Deshaun Watson, and people say, no, the scouts, that's why you fans and you guys in the media you just don't know, yeah. man. They, they, he <laughs> right. doesn't have the – throws too many interceptions, and you're like watching him against Alabama and Clemson. And, <laughs> like, this guy looks like the real deal. I don't care what the yeah. scouts are saying, but, yeah. Well, you know, they've got Trubisky, and, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see when – Oh, yeah, what a – that was terrible. That's terrible. Best they, of luck to them, right. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't mind that. You know, they they they, they cry every time. I would too. I mean, that seems like something the Lions would do, but Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd see. So, um you you're known as the Vern in Kansas City, right? Hashtag Vern, you get on and after a game, that's what you see that that's how people, you know, get in touch with you there on the on the baseball and uh, post games and all that. Yeah, yeah, the the hashtag hey Vern. Uh yeah, the nickname of my uh my grandfather, born and raised in Michigan, um, I've, I've taken that on and, and brought it to Kansas City. Well, you know, we had a bunch of nicknames for you when you worked back in Ann That's Arbor. Right. It was a uh, Sam Con, Sammy, <laughs> Smokey Burgess. I don't remember. Smokey Burgess. Yeah, Smokey Burgess is the one that sticks with me because I wouldn't. I, I was. I was just a part timer um, that would be called in the in at the last minute as a pinch hitter. And I remember you asking the listeners, who's the greatest pinch hitter of all time? And some diehard old school baseball fan called in with his grizzled voice and said, there's never been a better pinch hitter than Smokey Burgess. <laughs> As, well, it's a, it was a good name. Uh, I like, do you ever get back to Michigan? Uh, y- yeah, yeah, I got, I mean, my, my entire family is still back in Michigan. They're still living and dying with, uh, the Lions, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm back there two, three times a year. Uh, little sisters having kids, so and always got to get back to see the family. Well, I always, when I think of Lapeer, I always think of Jake Long, yeah. Josh Vernier, the, the two most famous people that made it out of Lapeer. I'll take it. I'll take it. And we both uh, hold Ann Arbor uh, fondly in our hearts. Well, you know what? We appreciate your time. It's it's great to follow your success. Uh, we'll continue to do that. And I, I'm you know pulling for the Tigers. I before the season, I just wanted them to you know pick off the Royals for third place. I know it wasn't a very high bar, and 
maybe they'll be able to do that in a 60 game uh, slate. Well, we'll that, 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 that bullpen looks a lot, that Alexander kid. I, I liked what I saw from him. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what that bullpen can become. Yeah. I didn't like it very much when I was watching it in August and September last year. So yeah, yeah. we'll see, but yeah. you know, if, who knows in a 60 game slate, it might be over. Uh, it, it could be over any day, 60 games. Uh, you just don't know. Well, Thanks for your time, Josh, and uh, continued success, and, and be safe out there in Kansas City, all right? Well, I always appreciated everything that uh, you did for me, Dennis, and thanks a lot for having me on. All right. We'll talk with you down the line. See you, bud. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. There he is, Josh Vernier. We do appreciate his time out there in Kansas City. Yeah, you know, you work with guys all the way back at Ann Arbor. I knew it. Oh, it's kind of like a, you bring in the freshman, the football team, like a you know a Charles Woodson or a Chad Henney. You know when those guys, you know they're players. I always knew the Vern was going to the pros. I saw that. And it was true. All right, thanks to Josh Vernier. Thanks for listening. Two pods over the weekend. That'll be fun. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya.